Hey, Magic fans, Dante Marcatelli here from the Orlando Magic in Fox Sports, Florida. You're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Paul, Garen, and Mikey. Go Magic! What's up, Magic fans? Uh, um, welcome to episode 17 of Penny Few Thoughts. I'm Mikey. Uh, as normal, I'm joined by Paul. Evening, Paul. Evening. Good evening. How are you doing? All good, mate. All good. Thank you. And uh, Geraint, the Welsh Josh Cohen. That's your nickname tonight. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Jeff probably doesn't know this joke. A couple of weeks ago, we had Dan Savage on, who apparently okay. the best memory out of a lot of people that work for the Magic when it comes to stats and stuff like that. And Geraint's basically <laughs> our statistician, aren't you, mate? So, uh, yeah, the I Welsh try. Josh Cohen's his nickname at the moment. <laughs> the man's an absolute useless trivia. It really is. <laughs> and uh, and we're delighted to have on uh, for the first time uh, our friend from the Orlando Magic and Fox Sports Florida uh, commentator, uh, Jeff Turner. Evening, Jeff. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's a pleasure. Enjoy being with you guys. It's not quite evening here. It's three o'clock. So, but uh... <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Take, taking taking a nice afternoon from you, my friend. Yes. Yeah, that's okay though. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, what we're going to do? We're going to go through um, a quick magic roundup. Then we're going to recap the last three games. So we've got the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Nets. Um, then we're going to fire a few questions at you, Jeff, and then we'll go into the rest of the episode. So, um, quick roundup then. Um, we're obviously without Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac for the foreseeable future. Um, Tuma Akiki and Al Farouk Amino still remain out with no return date at the moment. Um, before we come on to the pod, um, I had a, a, I saw Josh Robbins tweeted about an hour ago to say that Michael Carter-Williams and Evan Fournier are both listed as out tomorrow against New York. So, we're going to still be a bit undermanned for that game. Um, and Mo Bamba hasn't travelled with the team uh, on the last road trip due to COVID health and safety protocols. So we're still uh, struggling with a few injuries. Jeff, can you remember a season when we've had so many injuries like this? It's been it's been crazy, hasn't it? It really has. Um, I You're right. I can't remember one like this where we started the season with so much hope, uh, even though we were down... Um, not having Jonathan Isaac, obviously, but with Markel uh, and our first look at Chuma, uh, he was playing really well. Um, we were expecting to get Mobamba, but we had a healthy Aaron Gore or Evan Fournier and a healthy Michael Carter Williams. And then, um, you know, to be in a position where we are, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're going in every night with, you know, 10 healthy bodies and um, guys with very little experience. If you, you look at, uh, um, Cole Anthony and Jordan Bone and Kareem Manet. I mean, just guys that we're counting on for minutes um, and they just really don't have the experience. It's, you know, we're just kind of feeding them very quickly um, and they're, they're doing the best they can. But when you're up against, you know, grown men, uh, sometimes that catches up to you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a really tough time with, with injuries, but hopefully we can get some of these guys back soon. So um, I'm going to quickly recap the Bucks game. Um, I didn't really watch this with much enthusiasm. I made the mistake of uh, not switching the scores off when I loaded League Pass the next morning. So I already saw the result before I even watched the game. Um, but <laughs> So that wasn't a great start. Um, but the, the Bucks game was uh, DJ Augustine's first return to Orlando as a Buck. Um the Magic lost 99 to 121. Um, it was a pretty even game for three quarters. Um, the Magic pulled within two when uh, AG put Yanis on a poster who had it, who was on his fifth foul uh, in, at the start of that fourth quarter. And then the Bucks went on a 22 to two run that really blew open that game. And, and the Magic struggled to, to get anything back from that in the end. Uh, the Magic and uh, uncharacteristically had 19 turnovers, um, which is very unlike a Steve Clifford team. Um, Nick Vucevic led the Magic in scoring with 28 points and 13 rebounds. And it's the first time in two years that Vuce has had back-to-back 
games where he scored at least 28 points. Um, and he had 30 against Dallas the game before that. Um, Jeff, what was your um, thoughts on that Bucks game? I think, it, you know, you kind of recapped it. You know, when you're playing the Milwaukee Bucks, um, you know, the highest scoring team in the league right now, um, you know, one of the things you just can't do is you can't turn the basketball over. Uh, Milwaukee, um, you know, took advantage of those turnovers. Uh, you know, and it was just one, it was one of those nights where being undermanned, um, I thought for, for the most part, we created scoring opportunities um, but we just couldn't make any shots. We had a lot of good looks. Um, and so, you know, it, it, when you're playing a high scoring team and you, and you can't get your defense set because they're rebounding and coming right back at you, uh, we really put ourselves at a, at a big disadvantage. You know, I, as you said, I was proud of the guys. They battled for three quarters, but, you know, ultimately uh, with that much firepower, um, makes it makes it difficult. It was really it also that was really Aaron Gordon's first uh, opportunity, if you will. I don't know if he like he thinks of it as an opportunity, but to really play that point forward where he was kind of running the offense a little bit. Um, and I thought he did a pretty good job considering the guys that they were putting on him. Whether um, that was Drew Holiday uh, at times was was playing him, you know, a good defensive guard. Um, I thought, you know, for the most part, and I think Steve Clifford concurred that, um, you know, he, he did pretty well. He's still learning the position. Yeah. Um, Aaron's in a tough spot, really, isn't he? Um, I thought I thought he's played as well as he can do this week. Um, guys, what do you think about AG playing at the uh, playing some minutes point forward and handling the ball a little bit more? Paul? Well, for me, mate, you know, uh, it's something I said last season that I think it's a position that he has the ability to play. He he dishes the plenty of assists in games on a regular basis. He's got a good basketball IQ um, and hopefully it will make him think a little bit more about his own shot selection, which is the thing that we, we have times where we are critical of him for oh, almost hoisting a prayer. Um, and I, I just think it's one of those positions that given the opportunity to play and the chance to get the experience, he can do it. And I think he'll be, I think he'll grow into the role. Uh, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah. G. Yeah. A lot of what Paul said. Um, it's also nice to have him on the ball um, and being, you know, that athletic, that tall, uh, being able to jump out of the gym. Um, and if they put a smaller defender on him, you know, you can, he can take it, take them on the block. Um, he's very good down low, um, so he can get some easy baskets. Um, also gives us a few more shooters on the outside if Cole Anthony hasn't got the ball. Um, we know he, what he can do on, with the uh, three-point shot. So, um, no, like to see it continue. Cool. Cool. So the the Magic then was supposed to travel to Boston for Wednesday night, which got cancelled due to uh, the Celtics not being able to man eight players. Um, but then they travelled on Thursday and played the Celtics again on Friday. Um, what do you think to that game, Paul? If you can recap that one for us. Yes, mate. Um, in all honesty, it was a disappointing loss to come out 97-124. Um, it felt almost as if the league was against us and then the, I know it's not the case but it felt like the league were against us that we can't play on Wednesday when they're on demand lo and behold we play on Friday and they've got 12 players available <laughs> as we're with 10 <laughs> you know I know it's all to do with the protocols it's nothing to do with the league but it really felt like oh this is so unfair against us again um, but look they they got back two huge players for them. Jalen Brown, who led the game in assists and points. Uh, Tristan Thompson, who led the Boston Celtics in rebounds on the game. They were two real big returning players for them. And in all honesty, that they told the difference overnight. Um, they came out, uh, Boston came out shooting. They raced into a strong lead. We were behind, uh, managed to cut the lead back towards the end of the first quarter. Uh, they had a great performance from Peyton Pritchard. There is the rookie, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He he was fantastic. Sparked a really good scoring run for them in the second. 
we saw the Magic's frustration coming out in in some of the uh, towards some of the calls where Dwayne Bacon was hit with a technical. But in all honesty, I think I said it to you, Mikey, post game when we were talking. I'd seen the starting lineups, and by the end of the first quarter, you knew what sort of night it was going to be. It wasn't a game that I watched avidly. Um, it just felt like we were going to be on the wrong end of the result all night, regardless of some great effort. I mean, Ken Birch put some superb effort in. He earned every single one of his points by the rebounding that he was doing on the offensive boards. Um, Dwayne Bacon in the third quarter, I think it was, almost put the team on his shoulders with some driving plays into the basket, drew a couple of fouls and we cut the lead down uh, to, I think, six points, four to six points, something of that nature. But that was as good as it got. And then they just accelerated and blew us away. Um, it was one of those games where, I think in our review, I wrote that it felt like the Magic had brought their collection of bricks for throwing from beyond the arc. <laughs> it, was, it was just one of those nights. Um, and I know I've said this uh, in respect of our shooting. The disparity that we have, we lost the game by 27 points, but there was a difference of 30 points from what we tallied from the three and what they tallied. 51, 51 points, I think, that uh, Boston shot from the three. Uh, it was the same issue against Dallas, where we lost the game by 14 points and there was they had a dip a plus of 42 on the on the three point shooting we have to address this um, defensive issue that we've got on against the three uh, i know david steele made reference to it in the in his commentary in uh, in boston that we keep running into red hot shooting teams uh, and this was another one of those nights Aaron Gordon led us with 17 points. Kem, as I say, I thought Kem was fantastic. Second double-double of the season, uh, 12 points, 12 rebounds. Really excellent, really excellent performance from him. But on the night, I'm not going to fault the effort because we were so far undermanned and we came up against a team who had got some good players, but it was disappointing. I think Kem's been one of those really nice surprises that we've had this year. Jeff, what yeah. are you seeing from Kem this year? What, how do you think his games change? I know he looks a lot more confident. Like we saw him shooting threes last night against the Nets, which was, <laughs> which is a bit of a shocker. What, what do you think? What jump has Kem made this season? You know, I think for Kim, um, you know, Steve Clifford kind of talked about this in his pregame comments uh, last night before the Nets game, and you know, he, he talked about. A lot of the things he does, you know, that that go unnoticed, the screening, uh, the rebounding, um, all those things are there. For me, you know, watching Kim, I think he he feels comfortable that he 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 knows he knows his role, um, and and he's comfortable in the confidence that Steve Clifford has in him to put him out there in the on the floor, whether that's playing alongside Vucevic or playing as his backup. Um, and I think what the biggest part of it is he's worked so hard on his offensive game. I mean, you guys know, you watch, um, you know, most of the time Kim gets a rebound. Um, he's looking to pass it out to somebody, right? If he catches it around the three point uh, line or he catches it in the, even in the free throw area, he's not looking at the rim. Um, and he's starting to do that more. And I think, you know, that, that helps the team. If, you know, if teams are going to leave him open and not guard him uh, when he's on the perimeter, if he can get the confidence to do what we've seen him do, whether it's that short little float floater shot from, you know, 10 to 12 feet or, you know, step out and shoot the three-pointer, three-point ball confidently, you know, then teams are going to have to start coming out and, and that's going to create room for other people. So, you know, you guys probably hear me say this all the time. I, I think there is a, a place where players, when they get to that 27, 28, 29, 30 years old, right, where they're coming into the prime of their career, Kim's in that spot now. You know, he's 28 years old, kind of starting to figure out who he is as a basketball player, um, what his strengths and weaknesses are, and playing to those. And I think um, 
I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I don't know where we would be guys over these last few games without Kim Birch. Um, he's just, you know, he's just making really good plays. Um, I think that Boston game, Paul would have really been bad if we didn't have Kim Birch. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, just real quick, interesting in talking about the shooting. Um, we got a stat, um, David and I did before the game. I mean, we didn't share it because it's one of those stats where, you know, it's like, eh, do we really want to share this to our magic viewing audience? But uh, I'll share it with you guys. The four games, I think that takes us back to Dallas or one of the Cleveland games, I guess. Uh, so the four games before last night against New Jersey, um, the opponent had made 40 more threes than we had, right? So think about that. that's a that's 120 points. Um, Paul, you kind of talked about it. So that's 30 points a game, right? That um, over those, I think that's right, over those four games um, that were that were were just giving up, right? That's hard to overcome, right? That really is tough. Um, so you know, it, it comes down to us closing that gap by we got to make more shots, and then as Paul said, we we've got to do a better job defending. Uh, the three-point line, which was, for whatever reason, was a strength of ours um, early in the season. Uh, we were we were we were top top five in that category actually uh, early in the season. Yeah, and what the other thing, Michael, Paul, sorry, Mikey, go. I was just no, going to say, <laughs> I'll go hold on. I was just going to no, say, you, no, you. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, and when you and when you talk about the shooting, when you look at the amount of turnovers that we've had this this week. It was 19 against uh, Milwaukee. I can't remember what it was against Boston, but I think that was another high high turnover game. You, you're really struggling just from, from those standpoints, aren't you? When you turn the ball over and you can't keep up with other teams shooting the three, um, you're making it really difficult for yourself. Sorry, Paul, go on. What were you going to say? No, it actually kind of ties into what somehow I was going to say. Um, I think some of the turnovers that we are suffering are because of the unfamiliarity that some of the players have got with the rotations that we're playing, equally as, as Jeff said earlier. People like Cole Anthony, Jordan Bohm are being thrown in to play big minutes in a league that they are very new to. I know Jordan had experience previously, but he's, he's still very new in terms of games played. So I think we can understand where we're getting some, you know, some of those turnovers that we don't normally see. I would say that the Boston game, and this is where I was leading to, the Boston game, even though it was a disappointing result, I actually thought we looked a little bit better for the postponement on the Wednesday. I think it had given Coach Clifford a chance to work a few things through with the players, and we seemed a little happier with the rotations, and that certainly seemed to be the case last night. Yeah, and when we talk about... I want to quickly touch on Cole Anthony, Jeff. When he, when we, we always hear about um, as as the as the players go through games and go through seasons, the game slows down for them. How you've been in that position? So yep. how what what does that look like for Cole? I know he plays obviously a different position to you did, um, but when it comes to learning Steve Clifford's schemes and where he needs to be on certain sets and things like that, what what sort of how long do you think it's going to take for it takes Cole? a certain amount of time before he becomes comfortable in and what Steve Clifford wants him to be. Yeah, it, that's a great question. You know, it, we got to, we always have to remember, like, you know, we, we, we bring in these guys and they're very young. Like Cole was 20 years old. He had one year uh, in college. Um, so, you know, I think what people, you know, the, the hard part and why experience is so good for players is the jump from playing college basketball to playing in the NBA. I, I don't really think people understand that, um, you know, the, just the casual fans. I mean, obviously you guys have, uh, have been watching uh, and, and are probably better versed in that than most fans, but um, the speed of the game uh, is so much bigger. You know, I look out, you know, you think about, you know, Cole Anthony um, gets his first start um, uh, I guess the Boston Celtics, right? Um, and so he's either going against Marcus Smart, uh, who goes about 6'3", you know, 220, um, or 220 pounds, 
or, you know, a Jeff Teague, um, who's got 12 years of experience, right? Yeah. And so he's up against that part of it. Those guys are comfortable with, you know, things are going, they've been in their systems. You know, Jeff Teague is a veteran player, has been around the league. You can drop him into just about any system and he's going to function because of his experience. Um, and so I think for Cole right now, the, the good thing about Cole is he's extremely competitive and he's hard on himself uh, and, he's, and he's a fighter. He wants to get in there and compete. But when things are coming at you so fast, um, it almost makes it where, you know, his competitive fire and wanting to be great when things are going fast, it's hard to slow down and let his mind kind of see the game. It's just becomes singularly focused on just what's in front of him. And I think that's the hardest part for a young player, no matter what position you're playing. And so that the experience that, you know, that age, when the game starts to slow down, then it becomes where what that I, to me what that means is now when I'm on the floor, relaxed enough where I can see everything happening, um, in, in in real time, and it's not just like all coming at me at once. Does that make sense? Does that answer yeah. your question? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's where Cole is right now. It's just like all this, you know, the coach is expecting one thing, his teammates, and then it it changes, right? Whatever you prepare for. Um, a lot of times that's not what happens. You, so you have to think quickly um, on the floor. He'll get it because, you know, he's got, you know, he, he's got a high basketball IQ. He gets the game. Again, he's competitive, wants to be great. So he'll get there. But, um, you know, it's, it's just going to take a little bit. We just have to be patient with him. So he probably feels like he's a rabbit in the headlights at the moment with everything coming yeah. at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and then we uh, played the Nets last night. Uh, G, what did you think to the uh, Nets games? I know we, we had a little chat earlier about some referee indecisions that uh, you like to bring up every game. But uh... <laughs> No, I won't touch on that. I won't touch on that. Yeah, so this is a, a meeting between Jeff's two NBA franchises as a player. Um, so you might have watched it today. The Magic dropped the game 115 to 122 in what was James Harden's debut for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Mikey's touched upon it. It was no Fournier, Bamba, Michael Carter-Williams. Um, still missing from the Magic lineup. Um, second night of a back-to-back. So um, with Brooklyn having had a night off, you know you'd expect them to come out, uh, albeit with a you know a depleted roster after all the trades that have uh, occurred in the week. Uh, so the game, in fairness, it was a decent watch. Um, close throughout, Magic got as close as two in the fourth quarter on a Terrence Ross jumper. Um, but the Nets responded, I don't think Durant's missed in the fourth. Every time he just came up with the ball, uh, pulled up on those threes and each one went down. Um, the Magic were led by Nick Vucevic with 34 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists and 5 steals. Um, notable contributions from Terrence Ross with 23 points off the bench and Cole Anthony with 16 points, 8 assists. Uh, they were three of the six Magic players who tallied double figures. Uh, for Brooklyn, uh, the two stars, Durant, as mentioned, scored 42 points on 16 of 26 shots in 40 minutes. And James Harden notched a triple-double with 32 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, again in 40 minutes. Um, so all in all, uh, it was a good performance. Uh, we can hold our heads up high. Um, you've got to keep remembering, you know, it was 40% of our main starters playing. No, no Fournier, no Isaac, um, no Fultz. So a lot of those guys, you know, you'd expect to come off the pine um, regularly. So... In fairness, they did pretty well. Um, what else was good was people, well, a lot of the national media was watching that game. And um, what I did read this morning was a lot were taking notes of Nick Vucevic's numbers and his performance uh, this season, which has been nothing short of outstanding. Um, so he can hold his head up high. Um, Cole Anthony, uh, best game probably in a Magic uniform. He looked comfortable. Um, like you've just touched upon, you know, it's going to take time. But I thought yesterday was one of the games he looked more comfortable in. Um, so all in all, uh, decent performance, good game to watch. Shame about the result. 
Um, and it was nice to see us in those City Edition jerseys, wasn't it? Um, and in fairness, the Classic Edition uh, Brooklyn or New Jersey jerseys were pretty nice. Did you get to wear one of them, Jeff? No, that was after me. That was, uh, I wore was the it? old uh, Nets with the, the, the blue stripe down the side with the stars in it. And that was, that was the old, the old uniform. I think I was, I think we we're talking about on the year. I think that, that classic edition was when uh, Drazen Petrovic and um, Derek Coleman, Chuck Daly was coaching the Nets back, uh, back in those days. I promised my wife I'd tell this story on the podcast. So I don't do staying up late very night often, Jeff. So I, I got up to watch the game this morning and Becky sat. <laughs> it is an understatement. <laughs> and uh, I'm sat watching the game with Becky this morning and James Harden's left the floor and gone and sat on the bench. And she goes, where's Harden gone then? Has he gone to McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've got to tell that. So anyway, right, moving on from there. Okay, um, so we're going to fire some questions at Jeff. Um, G's got a couple for you. Off you go, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, with um, Markel and J.I. nursing the torn ACLs in their knee, uh, this is something you've been through yourself. Um, I think it was 1994, end of the season, a game against the Bulls. I think you might have run into a Tony Kukoc, perhaps. Um, tell us, what is, what's it like going through it? Um, what goes through your mind? Um, and how you know what's the rehab process for that injury? Um, you got it right. It's actually it was I think it was April seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. So that's how it's uh, in my in my mind. Um, yeah, that was funny. I just, you know, it's the crazy thing for me. Um, you know, it was one of those uh, uh, freak injuries, and I think this is what's always happens. You know, it's it's kind of one these injuries. A lot of times are freak injuries. Um, Mine was, I was running to try to get in front of Tony Kukoc to take a charge. Shaquille O'Neal was running to block Tony Kukoc's shot. And so the three of us kind of just collided and I'm the guy that ends up on the floor. Um, I remember getting, trying to get up and then knowing something's not right, but there was no pain. Um, I just, it just didn't feel right. Um, So I just stayed on the floor, you know, in my mind, I think, as an athlete, you never really think of yourself uh, getting hurt. And then you think I can get through anything. I don't know if you remember uh, when Jonathan Isaac first hurt his knee, remember he, uh, there were reports out of the locker room. He said, Oh, I'm fine. You know, I'll be ready yeah. to go, you know, the next game. And then it turns out he's got, you know, major damage to his knees. That was the first one uh, back in uh, January of last year when we first lost him. Um, so you don't really realize um, the difference is, guys, um, I think the medical technology, the surgery, the rehab has changed so much from when I did mine. Um, it, when, I, when I was younger, when I was in college and guys, you know, you never saw basketball players getting um, uh, ACL tears that I remembered. It was always football players. And, you know, they would... Uh, they would open the knee up from like midway up your thigh down, you know, it was like a 12 inch scar and they would lay it open and, and do all that. And guys just didn't come back from things like that. Uh, And then there was a long rehab process. Um, They would immobilize your leg where you were in a cast for like six months back then. And then they realized that, you know, you can't do that because there's so much scar tissue that develops. You can't get guys healthy. So by the time I had mine, they thought they had it figured out. And so you have the surgery and immediately the next day they wake up, they've got you on a bicycle, right? Like you're trying to wow. get you to bend that knee. That's, they were that aggressive back in uh, the early nineties. And the, the thought process was, well, you can be back in six months, right? Six months, six to nine months. Well, you know, I was like, you know, back then it was like, okay, well, I, I'm going to do it in six because I'm Jeff Turner. I can do it in six months. Right. Um, and I did, I rehabbed and I did the whole thing in six months, managed to get through the whole uh, next season as well, but I don't think it was ever right. So what they're doing now, uh, the surgery they still do the same thing. They're working on that range of motion and stuff, 
but they're really, you're seeing athletes, it's a year, right? It's a year rehab is what you're seeing with these ACL tears. <clears throat> so that's what Jonathan has in front of him. That's what Markel has in front of him. That's what Chumo Kiki went through while he lost the whole year. Um, but it really does, I think it's the right move, you know, from my own experience and given that knee plenty of time to heal. Um, I don't think mine was ever right uh, and really stable. Um, and, you know, after a year, I had two subsequent meniscus tears and it, I think that all was part of it. So I think, you know, uh, what's, what's in front of them, the hard part, guys, is the, um, is the mental part of it, really is. Because uh, anytime you have an, a physical injury and you're rehabbing, I, I had days where I would be, and I, I felt so strong and the leg felt so good. Um, and and I'd, be, I'd be feeling like, man, I am on top of this. I've got it going. Um, and then I'd have like, you know, just my, it's healing. Right. And I'd have bad days. Uh, and I'm, you know, couldn't hardly, you know, lift the weights that you needed to, you couldn't understand it. Um, so it does require a lot of patience and everything. The good news is for, um, for Markel and Jonathan in particular, they both been through the rehab process before, uh, Markel with his shoulder, Jonathan, you know, with his first knee, uh, injury. So, they get it. They understand it. And hopefully that helps them through the mental, uh, mental part of it. Cool. Thank you. Um, and second part, you've touched upon um, the following season. So for me, that team that went to the finals in 1995, uh, which you were part of, was probably the best team in franchise history. Um, so getting to play in some of the greatest moments in the franchise's history, you know, Nick stealing the ball from Michael in uh, that game one against the Bulls, uh, and eliminating them on their home floor, uh, closing the Boston Garden in the first series, and then playing in the NBA Finals. Um, what was it like to be part of such a great team? It was it was great. I mean, you know, I, I think you know you guys have probably heard the stories before <clears throat> with Shaquille uh, and Penny. You know, you you had really two NBA rock stars, right? I, you know, anywhere we went, we played. Uh, to full houses, you know, every, you know, people were coming to see us. That was quite a change, you know, from the early days when we were in expansion teams and, you know, the Boston Celtics would come to Orlando and the entire arena would be green because, you know, people came to see Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. Um, that's the way it felt for us with the magic uh, when we traveled uh, back in, you know, especially in 94, 95, when we were winning, we had Horace Grant uh, and we were playing well, you know, that, that was part of my mindset for wanting to rehab and get back so quickly because I wanted to be a part of that because I knew uh, we were going to be pretty special that year. So just great, you know, memories, all the things you mentioned, um, you know, beating the Bulls, closing down the garden, um, the, the, the series with the Indiana Pacers, is probably some of my, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference Championship, some of my favorite memories, uh, basketball. Those games were, were just unbelievable. You know, each team winning on its home floor, just some great battles. Um, and then, you know, just the getting to the NBA Finals, you know, you, growing up playing in the NBA, that's your dream, right? That's what you play for is to get there and to be a part of that. Um, the only thing I will say, though, is, you know, from my memory and, you know, I don't know why it is, but um, I don't remember too much about that, you know, NBA finals. You know, I think there were four games. I'm not sure really what happened. It kind of stops right after we beat the Pacers uh, to go to the NBA finals. I just kind of pushed all of that Houston Rocket thing aside. So, you know, I can't ask me any questions about that because I, I just don't remember. It's, you know. It's got trauma yeah. for me, I guess. I don't know. It's a PTSD. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I've actually got the Indiana series on um, DVD. So in Europe here, um, we used to get maybe one, two games a week. But there was a company in Switzerland called Pontel. And you could buy the DVDs of the games. So I've got the whole back catalogue. And I think you had a couple of notable performances against the Pacers, didn't you, in those Eastern Conference finals? Well, yeah, I, you know, I... I it was, you know, I, I had the opportunity to play a lot in that series. Um, you know, it was interesting. It, Brian Hill, a lot of things were determined by matchups. 
Um, Indiana was so big um, that I, I ended up playing quite a bit. Um, I, I, you know, at times I played Horace Grant uh, and backed up Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Tree Rollins was the backup, but because they played um, Anthony Davis and Dale Davis were their two, you know, four or five guys behind Rick Smith's. Uh, when they were on the floor, Brian, you know, had me out there. So I had, you know, it was a good matchup, he felt like, for me. Um, I think it was game three. Um, Shaquille got in foul trouble early. I think I had a pretty good first half, hit some threes, yeah. uh, spread the floor a little bit. Um, that game four in Indiana, the multiple, I think, two overtime game was uh, – if you haven't watched that one, boy, that one's yeah. – that is a fantastic game. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was one of the best. Cool. cool. Thank you for that. I've, uh, Jeff, I've only just watched Last Dance, to be honest with you. I've only just seen Because <laughs> <laughs> I know last time you came on um, to do the NBA UK fans thing for us, uh, were, that was when it was being broadcast. I, I have only just seen it. Uh, it's a superb series. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It Brilliant. was a lot of fun watching, to going down memory lane with that, yeah. But that kind of leads me to uh, the where my question is. There aren't many people we can ask this question of. So what's it like to actually stand on the medal podium at the Olympics, be receiving your medal and hearing the anthem and all that? Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, obviously that's that's a highlight for me of my basketball career. That's, you know, maybe the maybe the apex, maybe the top. Um, you know, that that it's funny because um, I've always been, uh, I've always loved the Olympics, right? Like, you know, as a, even growing up as a kid, you know, just like everything, the Summer Olympics, the Winter Olympics, you know, just fascinated by, you know, whether it was the team sports or the individuals, just, um, you know, just watching that and, and really starting to appreciate it. And I always tell people like, um, you know, I, I, I may be, may have been the only one uh, at the Olympic trials when I was there in 84, but like, I remember like where I was and watching the 1972 um, Olympic games, the, the basketball part of that, the finals when um, the United States did not win the gold medal, you know, it was expected of them. They lost to the Soviet Union. And, and so for me, my dream was always, you know, I was watching it with my dad and my grandfather. And I, I just remember, you know, I was like, you know, thinking about, okay, well, I will be a senior in college, right? Like if I could ever do that, like be a part of an Olympic team, it was a dream of mine. So for me, standing on the podium um, with the gold medal and, you know, listening to the anthem brought back a lot of emotion because, you know, it's like as a kid, you know, you, every, every, we all have dreams, right? And you fight for them and you, and you hope that they come true, but this was real, you know, this was something that as a, you know, a 10 year old kid, I had thought about um, and wished for, and there it was playing out in front of me. So it was a, uh, it was pretty emotional, pretty emotional for me. Does the medal have pride of place somewhere in the house? It does. You know, what's interesting. Um, I, I will say this. I, my wife and I've just recently moved the kid, the girls are gone. So we downsized. So I haven't gotten it out yet. It's uh, it's, stored away but I have um my mother uh worked at a um precision uh machine shop uh where they made small parts and things like that and the guys in her shop built this uh, it's a cylinder uh, plexiglass tube with a real pretty metal base and everything and so when I pull the metal out it hangs in this tube and everything it's really really cool so uh, that's really the only piece of memorabilia that uh, I'm allowed to put out in the house when it's time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. And let's be fair; it's the it's one of the pinnacles of anybody's sporting career. It, it should be displayed. It should be somewhere. Should yeah, be yeah. You know what's what's really special? What I'm really proud of is that we were the last, uh, really the last amateur team, right? Mm -hmm. Like truly, we were kids. You know now. You know, every country sends, you know, uh, their pros, if you will. They're, you know, they're, it's, uh, but we were just, you know, college kids um, that had come together, you know, for three months 
to take on the world. And, um, you know, the, so um, I, I still keep in touch with a lot of the guys. And, you know, that's, it, that's always, uh, in fact, I talked to Chris Mullen uh, this past summer. And, um, you know, he was part of the dream team uh, in 92 uh, with Jordan and all that crew. And, um, and Chris was like, you know, that was great, but it was not, not the same as, you know, when we were college guys and wanted it in 84. That was pretty special. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. So I've got to ask you, with how the game has changed, how do you feel you would have uh, your game would have adapted to the modern game? <laughs> what would you have been working on? Do you feel that the game would the modern game would have suited your play better? You know, it's a, I get asked that a lot, and you know, um, you know what the great thing, Paul, is that the farther I get from playing the better player I was when I was playing, right? Like people, people remember, you know, like, oh man, you were this, you were this great three point shooter and you know, all these things. Well, yeah, I think I was a pretty good. I developed into a three point shooter. I had to do that um, to stay in the league. You know, I mean, and I looked and I saw, you know, we, we had Shaquille O'Neal towards the end of my career, right? And there's no room for you to be in the painted, if you're going to be near the basket, you're just going to get run over. So I figured out a way to make myself valuable by working and, you know, increasing my, my shooting range. Um, so I became a, a, you know, a decent, you know, maybe one of the first stretch fours that they all talk about. So, um, you know, but here's the thing I always say, Paul, is like, so I got to the point where I felt like I was a good shooter. And so in today's game, I think there is no more valuable a skill, right, than to be able to consistently make shots. Um, and so I'm 58 years old right now. I can go out in the driveway and, and I can make eight out of 10 consistently, right? So I, you know, like, uh, you know, my, my legs don't work. So if they ever come up with a designated shooter, right, like, you know, where you don't have to play defense, you don't have to switch pick and rolls and all that. Just got to stand in the corner and shoot. Give me a call. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the second week running, we've had somebody pitch for a position. Mikey was asking last week if the Magic needed a hard-nosed point guard. I think it was, wasn't it, mate? Um, yeah. and I, my response was, have we really reached the barrel, the base of the barrel that quickly? Yeah, and that's what Steve Clifford would be doing is reaching for the base of the barrel if they pulled me out of, out of uh, mothballs. <laughs> I would just say, it doesn't matter that people might be looking back now and say, oh, you were just really great player and all this. You've got a medal to prove you were a will-beater, mate. <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate that. So I was, I, I will say, I, was, I tell people, you know, like I tell my, my daughters, really never saw me play right they they came afterwards and they you know see so my my girls sometimes when they were teenagers would they be watching like a LeBron James and you know some of them and she just I just catch them looking at me and I was like what and they're like yeah I just can't see you playing against a guy like that I just, I just can't see it and I said well have you ever heard of a guy named Michael Jordan I played against him I mean, it's pretty good too so um, so I always tell them, you know, I was a, I was a really good college player, uh, you know, good enough to make the Olympic team as a pro. I was okay. I was a good player. I played 10 years. So that's not too bad. Shabby. That's not too shabby. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Jeff. That's brilliant. All right. Um, Jeff, you were part of the, uh, 1984 NBA draft. You went 17th overall to New Jersey, which had, which was probably one of the most memorable over the years when you have the likes of Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, that was part of that group that drafted with you. Is there any sort of stories or any sort of memories that you, that you remember or stick out from, from that time when you got drafted? Yeah, it's, um, you know, that, that I, I, you know, I think people debate, they go back and forth on the greatest, you know, draft in history and most, uh, experts will put that one, uh, 1984, at either the top or second, I guess, 2003, when LeBron um, came out, you know, and you look at, you know, that one with Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony and Chris Bosh, 
Um, that was a pretty good draft. Um, the, the funny thing is, is, so here's how things have changed, right? So there were only 23 teams uh, back in 1984. You know, we didn't have social media or anything like that. Um, ESPN was really just getting going, right? They, they weren't, a, you know, what they are today. And so the draft um, wasn't as wasn't televised it didn't have as much attention as it normally does they were starting to bring players to new york city but it was in a small part of madison square garden um didn't have the big crowd and everything as you can imagine um so in 1984 there were six of us um that olympic team you know there were six seniors and six underclassmen steve offered had just finished his freshman year so there were six of us eligible that put our names in the hat for the draft. And so we were in Bloomington, Indiana, where the university, you know, Indiana University is practicing for the Olympics. So they took us in a van and took us to the television studio and they put us in a, in a room, in, a, in the green room, if you will, just at a, it was a conference room and we were all sitting at a conference table. And so the television was on, uh, I'm not even sure you could see it, but you could hear the audio, right? You could hear them talking. Um, and so whenever the draft pick was made, then they would, somebody would come into the room and take you into a small television studio where they had a chair and then they had a television camera right in front of you. So you sat in a chair and you talked to um, Lou Carnesecca, the head coach at St. John's and um, Al Albert were doing the interviews, right? And you're just on television. So we're sitting in this room, right? So with the first pick, they take Juan, you know, and so that's, that's off the table. You know, he wasn't with us, but you know, the second pick is Sam Bowie. Well, with the third pick, we know the history, right? The Chicago Bulls take Michael Jordan. So Michael gets up and goes. Now remember, there's like five minutes between each pick. So time is going. So we don't know. Michael's gone. He's done his interview. Now where's Michael at, right? Sam Perkins, who's with us, goes number four. Sam leaves the room and everything. Where are these guys? Where They don't come back to the room. Um, and so we're, we, we learn later that they're sitting, they're back in that van. So Michael Jordan and set, they're sitting in the van waiting for the rest of us. So we go through, Leon Wood goes, Alvin Robertson's there with us. Um, and then it gets down, it's just me and Vern Fleming, right? Um, Vern Fleming from the University of Georgia. And we're sitting there and they're going down through the draft with a 16th pick, the uh, Utah Jazz select John Stockton out of Gonzaga and everything. So now... It's the 17th pick. Neither of us, no team has talked to us. Our agents haven't told us. They don't know all of this stuff now. So we're sitting there, and New Jersey's on the clock. I don't know anything about the New Jersey Nets. I'm, you know, I'm from Vanderbilt University. I haven't watched a lot of NBA basketball, certainly not the New Jersey Nets. But Vern's from New York. And I'm, so I said, Vern, this would be great. You could be selected by the New Jersey Nets. You'll be back at home. And he's like, Oh man, no, they, they, they're terrible. You don't, no, oh, man, I don't want to go there and everything. With the 17th pick in the NBA draft, the New Jersey Nets select Jeff Turner out of Vanderbilt. And Vern looks at me and he's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. You know? And then, and then, so I go and do my interview. Vern is selected the very next pick by Indiana. So we go out. And, you know, I, everybody's in the van, everybody's starving. So we get in the van and actually we go to McDonald's and get, a, we get hamburgers before <laughs> we got practice that night. We got to go to practice. Um, so we, we had some food, but you know, what's funny is like my Vernon, our sitting, our big fear is all we're thinking about is Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins, they're sitting out on that van they're waiting what if we don't get taken till the second, third round? What are they going to do? Are they, you know, are they just going to leave us sitting in here? You know, what, what, whatever Michael wanted, he was going to get. So thank goodness he waited for us. So that's our story. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely awesome. brilliant. Um, one more story, which is a bit of a famous one in magic history. 
um, when you were part of the team in the 90s, there was the famous brawl in LA with yes. uh, Brian Hill as the head coach and it was Nick and Scott Skiles. I think it was at Scott Skiles and Shaq Scott Skiles. Got, Shaq into, got it. into it. Can you um, tell, for those who don't know anything about that story, can you tell <laughs> us more about it? Well, the, the back story is we were in Los Angeles the night before and uh, playing the Lakers. Um, we were headed, I think, to I think we were going to Golden State next. Um, we had a day in between and um, Brian wanted to get a practice. You know, it's not like today where they save your legs and things like that. We had played so bad the night before. Um, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the Lakers. Cause I remember yeah. the meeting we were in, the, uh, we were in the forum is when we, it was where the, so we practiced in the forum. We were sitting in the locker room and Brian had just, oh, he laid into us, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I actually wasn't playing that much at that point. And, uh, he basically said, you know, from now, you know, Jeff is going to be, Jeff will start the next game, da, da, da. And, and he's, so we go out on the practice floor. So everybody's in a bad mood, right? We got beat. We got up early to go to practice. And now the coach has really let us have it. So Brian comes up. Here's what we're going to do. We're, we're not competing enough, right? So he comes up with this game. You know, I call it cutthroat. So we, we divide it into teams of three, right? And so, you know, basically, if you score, you stay on the floor and the one team of three is off and the next one comes on. And so you can imagine how physical, you know, that, that was becoming. And it was just, I mean, you know, that's when I play back, I don't know if this happens and I don't think it does, but there was so much competition uh, in the team that it was fights were just normal. You know, we, we always had something going on, you know, you were fighting for time on the court uh, and things happen. But anyway, so we're, we're competing and Shaq uh, said something to somebody. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Larry. Kristoviak was on a team at the time. And the next thing I know, Skiles is like, you know, why don't you stop talking and, you know, back it up, you know, or something like that. Like, Scott, what are you doing? And, but, you know, Scott wouldn't back down. And so the next thing you know, it's like, you know, you've seen those two, those mountain goats that collide, you know, like this. So here you got the biggest guy and the smallest guy and they're, they're, they come together and then it becomes the rest of us kind of in really kind of trying to pull people off. But since we were in there, kind of like a rugby scrum a little bit, you know, it was okay to get a shot in here and there. That was okay. <laughs> so there were different, you know, things. And then we, I always laugh because we had one player who was just circling the pile. Uh, trying to find just, a gap to get in. Just trying to find a gap just to get a shot in somewhere. So um, we, we finally separated. Um, we, re we, you know, kind of just parted ways for a little bit. And we thought it was over, right? We thought, okay, surely we're not going to practice anymore. And Brian just kind of looked at us all and said, everybody good? And uh, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We thought, you know, grab our stuff and go. And he's like, all right, who's up? You know, and we just kept playing. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> no more. We're done. But we, you know, we kept practicing. So, um, you know, you just move on, right? That's your, it's like, you're just a bunch of brothers and, we had our little scrap and then so we just kept practicing and you know moved on to the next game <laughs> that's that's absolutely cool. crazy i don't think that happens nowadays somehow <laughs> no i don't know i like i i get a chance to watch some practice and everything and and i don't know it's i, I don't see it you know but uh oh man you know there used to be so much trash talking and um and fighting in practice you know so that but uh yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just, it was just a different time. <laughs> do you, do you think... Out of your teammates, Jeff. Go on, Jay. Jeff. Out of your teammates, um, who's the best? Who's the biggest trash talker you ever played with on your team? Oh man! So probably like when I was in New Jersey. Probably. Um, I, I don't know if you would call him a trash talker, um, but you know he he could get his in was uh, probably Michael Ray Richardson with New Jersey. Yeah. Um, you know, just a really tough, skilled guy. Um, and then you know I you know I just talked about him. Scott Skiles. You know, would just mm -hmm. uh, with the magic would 
didn't care who you were or, you know, anything. He, he always had something to say, whether that was to the opposition. Scott was the guy that, you know, there's always a player that you just hate playing against, right? Like for me, Kyle Lowry reminds me of Scott Skiles, right? Like Kyle Lowry gets under your skin with Toronto. He's always, you know, like flopping and, you know, complaining about fouls and then you just, but man, you want to play with that guy, right? Because he's a winner. He's a competitor. That's the way Skiles was, right? Always, you know, trying to, you know, goad somebody. He would run by um, the, or like we were on the floor, he would tell the opposing players where they were supposed to be uh, on offense <laughs> when he was guarding them. So, no, 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 no. That's not, the play is you go over here. Uh, or, you know, he'd run by the uh, opposing coaches and, and say, you better get somebody else in here that can guard me because I'm just killing you tonight or something like that. So um, he was probably the biggest. Brilliant. Cool. Brilliant. Um, I could ask you more and more questions. We could do this all evening. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll recap. Uh, well, sorry, we'll preview um, this week's games before we uh, wrap up the show. Um, we, we're recording our next episode on Saturday. So we've got three games before that. We've got the Knicks uh, tomorrow night on Monday which is great for us in the UK because it's a five o'clock tip off, which <laughs> never happens. So uh, we'll all be, we won't have to stay up late for that one. Um, we've got the Wolves on Wednesday um, and then we've got the Pacers on Friday. Um, G, you can have a look at the uh, Knicks game for tomorrow. Yeah. So as we're recording now, the Knicks are playing the Celtics. And last I checked, they were up about 20 in the third. Um, the Knicks were on a five game losing streak. Um, they did sit at five and eight, so they could well be six and eight as uh, before the game tomorrow. Um, so they've got a couple of injuries. Frank and Tilakina and Alec Burks are out, and they did list Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson as day to day. But I did see that Robinson was playing uh, a little bit earlier. Um, last couple of games, like I said, they were on a five-game losing streak, including losses at, at Cleveland, one hundred six, one hundred three against Brooklyn at home, 116-109, and at Charlotte, 109-88. to um, Their starting five probably consists of uh, a guard we know very well, Alfred Payton, alongside RJ Barrett, uh, Julius Randle, who's been playing very well in the early part of the season with Reggie Bullock, and uh, we expect Mitchell Robinson will clog the middle. Um, other notable players they've got, Obi Topin is a rookie, Kevin Knox, Snurlings Noel, Austin Rivers, who they signed in the offseason, who's also started the um, season very well. Emmanuel Quickly, I think he's another rookie. Taj Gibson and Dennis Smith Jr. So, like you said, tomorrow's uh, tips at five, and we look forward to a full night's sleep. There's still a chance of Mikey being in bed by the time we tip off on that one. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> You never know, Paul. You never know. <laughs> um, and then we have the uh, Timberwolves on Wednesday, which is a 1 a.m. tip off. So Thursday morning. Um, the Timberwolves are three and eight. They're last in the Western Conference. Um, they had their game on Friday postponed against the Grizzlies because Minnesota didn't have eight players available. Um, and since then, Carl uh, Anthony Towns has just tested positive COVID-19. Um, man, that guy's had a really rough year. He's lost seven oh. members of his family, including his mum back in April. Um, cannot think of what, what he's going for at the moment and, and testing positive. So uh, hopefully he's doing well. Um, and he'll have, obviously have to isolate. So if we do play on Wednesday, he won't be available. Um, it's unclear whether the game's going to go ahead. Um, but obviously, as contact tracing and testing still going, going ahead with them. Um, they're due to play Atlanta on Monday. I don't know whether that's going ahead at the moment. Um, the Wolves are 23rd in offense uh, with 108 points per game and they're 28th in defensive rating. So if we do play, it's a pretty good chance for a W, I'm thinking, on that. Um, and then we've got the Pacers on Friday. Yep, we do have a midnight tip here on Friday night, so midnight into Saturday morning. Um, obviously, this week, the pace has moved on from Vic, uh, part of the blockbuster Harden trade. Um, Oladipo, there. <laughs> Just in case, I, I have a bad habit. We say this every week. 
I have a bad habit of mispronouncing names, and Vix is one of them. I always end up adding extra O, so it becomes Oladipu. <laughs> <laughs> this pair nail me every week for it. <laughs> I knew when it came to the previews, I was either going to get New York because I can't pronounce Frank's surname, yeah. or <laughs> I was going to get Indiana because they just love <laughs> my pronunciation of Vic. <laughs> That's why you're getting Vic and nothing more. <laughs> but as part of that trade, um, the Pacers have acquired Caris Levere. Now, on a serious note, again, I'm going to shout out good wishes to him because uh, as part of the physicals, uh, MRI has discovered a small mass on his kidney, so he's out indefinitely. So just good wishes and hopes for him because that's that's horrible news for him. Uh, hopefully it's it's benign, there's nothing serious there, but fingers crossed that's horrible. Um, equally, they have TJ Warren out indefinitely with a foot injury. Uh, he's had surgery. We all remember him smoking us for 32 in the bubble. Um, Jeremy Lamb is out with a knee issue. However, he could perhaps feature as he's slated to return late, mid to late January. So we may see him. Uh, Pacers are third in the East. As we speak, they're on an eight and four record. They've won the last two games. They've won four of seven at home this season. Fifth in the league for shooting percentage, averaging 114 points. They're allowing opponents 108 per game. Shooting 35%, just over 35% from the three, making roughly 12 a game. So uh, hopefully we can edge that down a little bit. It'd be nice to see. Um, starting lineup that they've been using has been, uh, in the last game was Sabonis, Miles Turner, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Justin Holiday, and Edmund Sumner. Uh, that was against Portland where they absolutely smoked Portland, 111 to 87 on the road. That's a big win. Support from the bench comes from Doug McDermott. We, he, he He's been known to have big nights against us. Uh, Gee, I know you're not a fan of him, but TJ McConnell comes out and he just does what he does. He's another one of those players that gets under people's skin. Aaron Holiday and Jakar Samson, amongst others. They're a good team. Uh, they're For me, they are one of those teams that's bigger than their individual parts. They play as a team. Uh, their new coach, Nate Bjorkren, has, I think, got them better organised on the defensive end without sacrificing too much on the offensive on the offensive potency that they have. I think that they are a real danger. Um, the question that we all had about the Pacers before the season started wasn't if they were going to be part of the off-season. It was how far they could actually go in the playoffs because they have a poor record of getting swept there. So that's where their question comes. I think that it's a very, very difficult game for us on Friday night, Saturday morning. So uh, predictions this week then, boys. So we've got three, the last three road games before we've got a bit of a home stand. Um, G, what's your predictions for the week? It all depends if we get Evan Fournier back. Um, he adds a lot of shooting, as we know, and that's something we've been lacking. Um, so the pace of game, that's probably the most difficult one. So I can see a two and one uh, week with us beating New York tomorrow. Uh, getting the win against Minnesota, also in demand, um, and then probably losing to Indiana. Um, but it'd be nice if we did go through, you know. Jeff, do you want to throw a prediction out there? No, I, I like that. I think, um, you know, the Knicks game tomorrow, I, you know, I feel like that's one that's there for us. They're coming off a back-to-back. Um, you know, we got a day's rest. You know, I, I know you guys said that um, – you know, we may or may not get Evan Fournier or Michael Carter-Williams back. I, I just keep hoping. I keep putting him in my score sheet, hoping it's a day-to-day, game-to-game decision. Um, but I, I think uh, we could be catching them at the right time. Uh, I, you know, based on how we played uh, offensively uh, against New Jersey or against Brooklyn, excuse me, um, I, I feel good offensively that we're figuring things out. Um, I do think we're going to catch Minnesota at a tough spot. They they have not won a game without Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup, so we could get some help there. And then um, you guys are right; Indiana's playing uh, lights out. They are uh, th- that that is a tough matchup. So um, you know, if we could go two and one uh, the rest of the way, we get two wins off this uh, trip. I think that'd be awesome. 
had to laugh last night just quickly when you were broadcasting the, the Nets game. I can't think of the referee's name now. Who was um, announcing the Bill Kennedy? Bill Kennedy. <laughs> and he and he he did it really well, and then he announced the New Jersey Nets at the end of it. I don't know if you guys caught that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that just means he's old like me. <laughs> uh, but wasn't that great though? Isn't that fun when the officials, at least, they're not so serious and they just have a little fun? Like I thought that was that was great. I like I like that. I enjoyed yeah. that. I thought it was good. I think it was nice to get the decision clear because they're not coming yeah. you know you, you and david are normally at the side of the court and we get that information we're not getting that at the moment no, no. and what they did there brought it back and i thought i was really good i thought i was positive yeah i agree okay. what are you going with this week then paul same as everybody else two one same same wins i think we can i don't think uh, a game for the against the knicks for us is never a given uh we've we've been on the wrong end of surprise results before against the Knicks um, but we should beat them I think the T-Wolves you know they're they're just a right fix at the moment uh, they're as they're in as difficult spot as us um, so hopefully we can get one there Pacers I'm not you know I'm not a negative kind of guy but I just don't see that one. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be realistic as well <laughs> that's right well, great minds think alike because on my sheet of paper, I've actually got two and one as well. So, uh, no, I think I think well, I'm just gonna say, yeah, we'll, we've all gone with the same there. Um, probably the Pacers game's the more difficult one. Um, right, we're gonna wrap it up, Jeff. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for coming on yeah. to the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. You guys are great. Thanks for having me, and um, I'll be happy to join you anytime. Just you, you know how to reach me. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool. So, uh, guys, we'll see you next week and uh, go magic. Go magic. You've been listening to the Penny for Your Thought podcast from the guys at the Orlando Magic UK. Please subscribe to the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Check out our website, theorlandomagicuk.com, the UK home for fans of the Orlando Magic, and support us by using our links to the official NBA store and Fanatics your official sports merchandise including the nba the nfl and many more follow us at orlando magic uk on facebook instagram twitter and youtube go magic <laughs>